place on the internet, computers from the 70s, end-of-life issues, and now, the dating scene for senior citizens. Whoever's running this ship sure knows how to target that coveted 18 to 34-year-old millennial audience, hmm? And now, here are your hosts of indeterminate age due to their questionable life choices, Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula. Everybody, I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. As you all know by now, hopefully, Allie and I are performers who for many years have been performing the internet on stage, using it as our script and our show blogologues. From there, we had a web series called Two Girls, One Show, where we interviewed people behind the posts that we've been looking at for all these years, and then went on scripted adventures, and then finally came to make this podcast here at The Daily Dot, where we're talking to people behind different internet communities and phenomena that we find interesting. So welcome. We're happy that you're here. Hi, Allie. Hi, Matt. Hey, yo. Hello. <laughs> this episode is once again about dating, which means Matt cannot participate. Nope, I'm out. <laughs> See y'all. Bye. Bye. <laughs> but this show has a special spin on it for those of you rolling your eyes out there because we have covered dating <laughs> quite a bit in this podcast. Um, this one is specifically going to be about 60s plus dating. I think that is going to be the best way to put it. Dating sort of in your elder years and seeing what that is like for those doing it. And also specifically, we're going to be talking to the internet on the internet. Yeah. (laughs) And talking to a dating coach and her husband, uh, they work together as coaches uh, to see what advice they have for all of us youngins too. Well, kind of young. We're not that young, but you know what I mean? (laughs) We're on the old side of young and the young side of old. We're in a no man's land. That's where we are. Yeah. But but we're looking specifically at how they help the older set deal with online dating, correct? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, uh, it seems that they're... supposed to like when you're at the Applebee's, Mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like there would be some challenges for people who I'm guessing a lot of them have been married most of their lives or for, you know, a lot of their older lives and then suddenly they're divorced, for example, maybe. Getting back Um, in the game. Yeah. And can you imagine if you haven't dated anyone for 40 years? (laughs) Like, I feel like I took a hiatus, you know, for like three years a while ago when I got back, I was like, what the hell is happening? (laughs) So uh, the landscape changes really, really quickly. I think it'd be super exciting. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, depending on, on why and how you got out of your marriage, you know, like if he died, I think it would be sad. If you went through a horrible divorce, then you're like, freedom. <laughs> I am basing this on all of my divorce friends who are like, freedom. you know what I mean? <laughs> like when they walk in the room, like the soundtrack plays, you know what I mean? But you're talking about divorced people in their 30s, so. right? And the th- okay. do, don't they have horror stories about like oh my god like now i have to do this all over again like is that a thing for for divorced people i imagine mm, that's all that's also a thing it kind of runs the gamut yeah there are people who are like fuck i have to do this again and then there are people who are like they were in a relationship for 10 years and it was terrible sure. and then they're like Freedom! <laughs> yeah uh yeah my friend group is really fitting the national statistics. Ooh. I was at a birthday dinner and I was like, oh, 50% of the people here are divorced. <laughs> I've read that's and a myth, actually. 50% of us are single. Statistic? Uh, it's one of those like, yeah, that, like someone quoted a stat from a certain year and it's like, oh, 50%, but it's actually more like 30% or something. I, I, I should. Yeah, I think you're right. Although at this particular party, it was 50. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I also think it probably varies, but there's so many other variables to Mm -hmm. take into account. But then there's the other thing that you mentioned about like people's spouses passing away. Um, And so when I was growing up in our neighborhood, all of the neighbors... You said it way nicer than I did. (laughs) All of my neighbors growing up were about 20 years older than my parents. So they're all now in their 80s. A few of them are in their 90s. And a few spouses have passed away by now. And it's been really interesting watching them and getting the updates from my mother. (laughs) on uh, who's dating now. There have been some setups made within the neighborhood. And I have to say across the board that when these people's mm. spouses have passed away, within a few months, um, they've been pretty ready to re-enter the game well into their 80s. <laughs> so I'll be interested to hear more about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's also an element, so I've heard, of like people really not knowing how to be single or wanting to be single at that point in their life, which I totally understand. So they're just like, boom, next one. Mm -hmm. Although it's also sort of fascinating to me. I'm like, you were in like a 50-year relationship and now you're just like boning someone else. Like what's happening? Also, you know, supposedly in nursing homes, STDs are rampant because they're like, we can't get pregnant. And then they get, they all fuck each other and they get tons of STDs. Mm. Sidebar, we're not going into this today, but there is a community, uh, elderly BDSM, which we found a long time ago on the internet where it's like people who are realizing their kinks way later in life. And it's been very difficult to find anyone to interview. So listener, if you know someone into the elderly BDSM, BDSM online community, please let us know because I think that would be a delightful interview because apparently there are a lot of considerations in terms of bruising. Yes, I said it. Yeah. Well, to bring it back to something wholesome. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Wait, before we go back to wholesome, can we please bring on our lovely, lovely guests, introduce them and say, so tell us about the elderly BDSM community. I think let's not abuse our guests like that. Um, And I can't believe I'm the one to say this, but I think mm, that mm, okay. they seem lovely. They seem lovely so far in our interactions with them, and let's not traumatize them. Although, if they've listened to other episodes of the podcast, we've already traumatized them. So it is what it is. Got it. Okay. Great. I wanted to mention on the wholesome front that I had a lovely dinner with my neighbor Lou yesterday, who I've mentioned on this podcast before. He's in his early or mid eighties. Um, and he recently started seeing someone or is interested in someone. Uh, anyway, he was just sharing that he really does believe that the urge to kind of be with someone never really goes away, no matter how old you get and what condition that you're in. Yeah, and, That makes sense. Yeah, totally. And he was like, you know, you always just kind of have that hope that you're going to find someone special. So I thought that was beautiful. It does make sense. Yeah. Thinking of one of Betty White's books where she talks about these spring chickens that she's dating when she's like 90 and they're in their 70s. Are you serious? <laughs> they're like way too her. young. I, I'm not doing it justice, <laughs> but like her opening line is about that and it's so fucking good. Oh, what a badass. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Here's my question. Uh, I feel, and maybe we'll ask this. Um, when you are a grown-up and you, you kind of live up. your life, whether you're 30 or you're 80, I hope you you know what you want. So maybe on one hand, it's easier to be like, I know what I want. I want companionship, I or I want this or that. Do I don't you, know. Are As you offering who that? Dates. And then, and on I the, disagree. Uh, wait, wait. <clears throat> I I want to throw it to you. Okay. I want to throw okay. it to you. I'm going, I want you to disagree with this. He's setting you up. Hold on. <laughs> So on one hand, it's like you, you're you a grown up and you've lived your life and you sort of know what you want and you identify a person. You're like, okay, are you this person? If you're not, okay, we'll go our separate ways. So that seems like things would be easier. But then on the flip side, it's like, but you also have like 60 years of emotional baggage that makes it very hard to be compatible with someone. That's my like which which is it and that seems I just think as someone who has been dating for so long and gone on dates with so many people and I think I know what I want like I just think there's so much luck like where someone walks especially online dating like they present themselves as one thing and they walk in and there's something else so I think that there's a lot of luck that's my official answer 
I, I wonder if you if you personally are incompatible with online dating. I think I, I am like incompatible with online dating. I also forge think that, that relationship. Like, well, there's a lot of people that like I don't like them, but I also could totally see how I make an insane first impression, and that's all they've got. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think I'm compatible with online dating, especially considering how long I've been I've been doing it. And my only like the only things I've really had that were relationships were setups. They weren't from online dating, despite mm-hmm. swiping my whole goddamn life. Anyway, no, just one last thing because I'm I guess I'm I'm interviewing Allie now here because uh, I'm genuinely curious. Like I guess normal people, quote unquote, and I'm just talking about people with like go go to the office and and do normal jobs and and you guys don't like i feel like that is where you like meet and make friends with and then form relations not like you should date around your office but like you no, have I'll normal date around social my interactions yeah let's yeah. date in the office but but you don't necessarily have that cuz you, well, you, you live a much space. more dynamic okay okay so so is that happening in your normal life? Are you like encountering people that you then form you know friendships what? with that could then lead naturally to? I think when I when I was at a WeWork, dudes would hit on me because the WeWorks are overrun with dudes and I went on some dates. Okay. So maybe I got to go back to WeWork because I am at this okay. like weird artsy co-working space where like everybody is polyamorous and I don't want any of that <laughs> shit. <laughs> So I need this is a really valid point, Matt, and I thank you. I have to switch back to WeWork, which like in San Francisco, a woman walks in a room at a WeWork and like everybody turns. They're like, woman. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. <laughs> what is this woman? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's the quality of the pool there, though, of the dude pool? Like, I mean, is it good? they're tech guys, but like, yeah, there are some handsome, smart bros. <laughs> <laughs> all right i'll let you know I'll switch my membership get back to you <laughs> all, right. all this time i've been wasting with the artsy weirdos yeah. <laughs> well should we get to some trivia folks <laughs> all right today's trivia is that i actually do not have any trivia what what oh great no wait yeah. wait wait i like this news i like this news hold on take it back yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i do not have trivia I have something way better. Oh, what is, is it? it a is voicemail? it an email from our, our voicemail from our listeners? No, it's way better. I hope so. Oh, what is it? Is, is one of your listeners in the room with? He's here right now. No. <laughs> um, Damn you, Matt. It's it's Matthew's son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here's here's a long version because I know you guys like long stories that go nowhere. Um, <laughs> iTunes used to look like shit all the fucking time like you would go on a web browser and if you didn't have a mac or an iphone it's like you, you couldn't fucking find anything or look at anything and then i was recently on the itunes wow, page like really mad about <laughs> this. i'm really it. upset about this and then i recently went back to the itunes page for a little podcast called two girls one podcast and it looks awesome now on the web you can listen without uh, an apple device and you don't have to subscribe and i was looking and i could actually see all the reviews oh shit on our show and we have some pretty kick-ass reviews and i decided to create a new segment called itunes reviews <laughs> and i even i was so excited about this segment i even wrote an original song to preface the segment are you guys ready for it uh, i mean no but okay go ahead <laughs> no <laughs> Okay, here, here it is. D- don't try not to try not to laugh. Sometimes you wanna go where everybody knows your name.
What do you guys think? I feel like it's very like it's about community. Thank you. Really good. That's yeah, it's really good. That's the Cheers theme song. Also, yeah, it, was, it doesn't really make sense because we yeah, don't we don't know any amazing. of our listeners' names. I, w- I mean, I wish. Well, we do. We do know well, them from the they Discord. They know our names. Yeah. But they know your names. <laughs> okay, and, okay. And they know our yeah. names. Okay. Everyone's, everyone's friends. I, mean, I wish Jennifer. we knew their names. This is a one-sided relationship. <laughs> it's a parasocial relationship. It is. It really is. All right. So here are some reviews from uh, various podcast platforms that offer uh, review uh, services. Here we go. Now, on iTunes, or I should say Apple Podcasts, as they like to be called these days, out of five, uh, like a five-star rating overall, what what would you guess our average rating is? Like, what, what's our two? I've already looked. We're like 4.5 or something. Yes, 4.4 at last check. Oh. Hopefully, we haven't gone down okay. since last you looked. But yes, 4.4 yeah. 4. Hey, out of five. Uh, that's pretty good. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. It's not bad. Uh, my my Uber rating is a little higher, but uh, yeah. As a driver or? Yes. A passenger. Got you it. get rated. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm a 4.78. Mm. <laughs> I love that you just know <laughs> which that. Is, which isn't that great. Like a lot of my friends are like a 4.9 and I'm like, what am I doing in the back of the car that everybody hates me? Well, out of 20, it's pretty bad. No. What are you not doing All in the right, back of the car that uh, everybody hates you? <laughs> like, what are you? How do you even get rated? What is that based on? Honestly, what I'm not doing is talking. I was gonna say, like, Maybe what, like why I'm like she not friendly with the yeah. driver. Like, sometimes I need a second where I don't talk. I know that's really shocking to a yeah. lot of people, and the back of the Uber is yeah. it. Amen. Okay, okay reviews. Yeah. All right, I, and I'm going to use the the names of these reviewers uh, as they're printed here because this is public information. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're not protecting anyone's identity. Uh, Andrea Luxenberg gave us five stars. Thoughtful and hilarious is the headline. Jen and Allie's interviews are super engaging. They are able to bring you into the dark corners of the internet. Every episode is funny but also insightful. I've lolled, lolled, and learned something every time. I find that hard to believe that she learns something every time. I mean, it might not be good things that she's know. learning, but Trivia. she still might learn. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Well, this this show, she's not mm. learning anything because you fucked up, Matt. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Riles for Reels says, love, love, love. These two ladies are hilarious, opinionated, and do awesome topics that interest almost anyone. A great listen all around and a hell of a laugh. Thanks, Riles. Hell of a laugh. I love that. Thanks, Riles. Mm-hmm. Truffles Waffles. You know what? Uh, uh, a plus just for that name. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds uh, like my get, kind of Get guy. ready, guys. Get ready. Get ready. Put put on your thicker skin. Okay. Hang on. The headline oh, of this review is meh. <laughs> and Truffles, Truffles Waffles says, I enjoy the quiz in every show. Thank you, Truffles Waffles. And I like learning about new weird things. However. Oh, God. Allie annoys me. <laughs> she interrupts others frequently and thinks she's funny. Please stop interrupting the interviewee and trying to take over all the conversations. <gasps> I saw the that fuck? one and it made me super sad, but I also took it into account. Aww. Allie. Well, Matt, I thought this segment was supposed to boost our egos. Like, I thought that's why we were doing this. <laughs> it's 4.4 out of 5. It can't all be good. I think truffle. Okay, so truffles right. waffles still gave you three stars out of five. So you that's know, I guess we need some constructive feedback too. Did anybody shit on me? Go ahead, just hit us straight to the <laughs> no, heart. No, nobody <laughs> shat on Jen. They just shat on Allie. I've looked at these before. <laughs> so I have uh, to say, Jen's boring. Like, what? Tell me, give it to me. <laughs> my personality is divisive. I'm not going to talk neon anymore. Neon guts. Neon guts. Ninety five says so good. Dot dot dot. But please. The content, so good. So informative and interesting. And it's Allie. Allie's annoying. Is Allie constantly talks over Jen and the other guests. 
like she just needs to scream over everyone and it makes me cringe every time. That's Please the- let others talk. Stop. <laughs> Why are you reading these super mean I, reviews? I know. Why are we being mean to Allie? <laughs> no, we're not being mean. All right. Give Look, us a good one. I, here, here the, the rest are all good, but I want to say... Allie, I don't know if it was if you it was you reading these reviews or just in general like you have always been self-conscious about this and you said like oh am I talking too much and like I feel like I said to you I'm like you drive the show so don't be ashamed to like tr- be in the driver's seat you know I don't think this is bad I think you can't please everyone yeah I think that's true well too. thanks no I know I talk a lot and I read those reviews I was super sad people like always forget that it's like a real person <laughs> but I mean, I also, but I also like it is something that I think about so I was like all right I gotta take this into account that I'm talking too fucking much it's just hard too because it's like I don't want dead air yeah so like when there's dead space I feel the need to fill it with the shrill, annoying sound of my voice. Hey, um, but I guess I'll stop. Let her, no, no. Let, let her, I fill the space. I do have to let Truffles, Waffles, and whoever the fuck that other person was know the behind <laughs> the scenes. Ali's always encouraging me to fill the space too, and that I should jump in with questions and things like that too. So it, yeah, I'm I'm defending my my girlfriend right now. Thank you for that. Thank <laughs> it's true. you. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Thank you. Um, J Mark, five stars. The subject line of this review is just fire emoji. Just fire emoji for as far as the eye can see. Uh, and then the review says, I fell asleep with episode four playing so I could store the pod in my subconscious. Love these girls. I, I don't know what to make of that one. All I heard was the word foreplay, but I think you said episode four playing, right? <laughs> Just making sure there was no foreplay yes. involved. Okay. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He also has a lot of catching up to do since we're on episode, episode like 70. But 70? yeah, I have very mixed feelings four? about this because... Uh, you have a lot of catching up to do because this is probably going to be like episode 85 or something. Oh, JK, I should probably anyway. tune in. Uh, cool. <laughs> I wonder what we're going to say. Yeah. Um, I'm also impressed that he could fall asleep to a voice as high pitch as mine. Kudos. Oh, and as we know, I am really envious of anyone who just knows how to sleep. So, you know, good for him. Guys, podcasts are really good for ASMR, though, because you hear like all the little (laughs) noises. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to throw that out there. Allie's being silent, so I I don't know. So I'm I'm working on my silence. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't let the man get you down. (laughs) Yeah, the reviewers. Don't listen to them. But uh, if you'd like to review the show, please uh, use the review tool on your favorite podcast app. If you like the sound of my voice and could go leave a review, that would be fantastic. Yes. Four to five (laughs) stars only. Thank you very much. Uh, Lua... I, I'm not. This is like a username, Lua Bamed Ahmed. I, I'm screwing that up, but he or she says informative and hilarious. Jen and Ali hilariously tackle fringe internet communities with a focus on sex <laughs> and relationships. Their chemistry is off the charts. Oh wow! And this dynamic, impressively always in sync duo, in sync spelled correctly, not like the band, mm, just FYI, feelings about that as well. provide, mm-hmm. <laughs> provides a constant string of laughs and knowledge. You get to learn a lot and laugh too. What's not to dig? But here's the kicker of this review. Proud to be a schwamper. <gasps> oh! Oh. For our early listeners out there, you, you know, know what schwamping means. If you don't know what it means... <laughs> Exactly. Oh, I love um, that we'll, one. Shwam, shwam, shwam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're listening to our podcast falling asleep, you might want to be swamping. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just going to give you an idea of what it means. 
Just that an was idea. An excellent use in a sentence. Schwamp, schwamp. Get your schwamp t-shirts <laughs> at tgwmp.com. No. Uh, one last review. This is from Stitcher. This is from Can't We All Just Get Along on Stitcher. Five stars, I think. Uh, bizarre and fascinating topics. Amazing hosts. Ali and Jen oh, have incredible chemistry and are simply hilarious. Uh, the producer, Matt, also plays a key role in what I would think of as a third Marx brother of this group. I, that seems good to me. <laughs> and look who sourced the, the reviews, Matt. I just sor- I sorted the reviews by five stars and also mentioning Matt. Uh-huh. And this is what we got. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but the titular two girls are definitely who make this shine. Wow. They simply have personality for days. The topics are engaging and educational. And hey, only most are about unusual sexual preferences. Seriously, they interview guests from all the odd nooks and crannies of the internet representing unusual and interesting communities. Uh, they constantly barge listeners, blah, 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 blah. blah, blah, blah. The show's great. Skimming the, okay, okay. Yada, 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 yada. What? <laughs> Excellent use of the word titular. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's a great review. Also, I like that they complimented you, but then they were like, but actually, it's the two girls. <laughs> the two original Marx brothers. I'm wondering what Matthew glossed over just now. I know, me too. Was me it someone enjoying the sound too. of my voice? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll read the whole thing. I'll, I'll read the no, whole I'm just thing. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You guys are all I'm about, kidding. about verbatim. Ah, we're good. We're good. We're good. Right. We're good. We're good. I think we got some other material to read verbatim. Wink, wink. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what you're referring to. We have a. We have a commercial coming up. We have an advertisement. It's an advertisement. It pays our bills. Uh, this is audio that comes directly from the sponsor. We're not allowed to modify it. It has to be exactly what they send. It's a file. We don't even know what it's going to be. All right. No. There we go. Let's have a listen. We will be back after the break. And now a real advertisement entitled "Yes Now Bronx" from the internet's most popular matchmaking app. Craigslist. Yes, now. Green card marriage. La, 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 ladies only. Hit me up. Well, that's one way to do it, to find the la, 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 la love of your life. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, two birds, one stone. Don't need a matchmaker. Citizenship. Green card, yeah, it's all good. Craigslist, yeah. (laughs) We're all people. Hey, we have a college friend who used Craigslist a lot, and it got weird. Remember, we won't tell any more details than that, but it's a true story. I remember. I remember that. Yeah. Be careful on Craigslist, people. Yeah. Well, that's when like it was big on like yeah, just hookup culture and yeah. Yeah, before the before Tinder, there was Craigslist. That's right. Before Tinder. There was Craigslist, <laughs> all alone on the internet, Craigslist, for hookups and casual sex. <laughs> ah. All right, well, let's get into it. Let's uh, get into it, yeah. Oh, get in, in it. Um, <laughs> we're super excited to have with us right now, Peggy and Richard Woolman, who are matchmakers and dating coaches. Welcome, Peggy and Richard. Thank you. Nice Thank you. to be here. Thanks very much. We're very happy to have you. <laughs> We're happy to have you. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so can you please tell us a little bit more, uh, give us an overview to start about what it is the two of you do for others uh, through your matchmaking company? Sure. Sure. I'll start. Uh, this uh, Our company began, I, I started about almost 12 years ago now. It was an encore career for me. I had been a theater director in Boston for about 
30 years. And I took a dating coaching and matchmaking intense course with a lovely woman in Denver and came back and right away realized there was a need particularly for older adults. So although I started by seeing a lot of younger people, I realized that it was the older adults who seemed to be getting lost in the shuffle. And as I started interviewing people, and I also realized that I could use some help with this because very soon after Peggy Woolman matchmaking began, there was a wonderful article in the New York Times, very comprehensive. And the young woman that wrote the article used as an example as someone I had introduced to someone. And that woman was 73 years old. So instantly, the readers of the New York Times, particularly the New Yorkers, obviously, uh, were captivated. And I think genuinely saw this as an opportunity to be with a coach or a matchmaker who dealt with older people. And so although at the time that wasn't the case, I think in many ways that did sort of push us into a niche that we've both well, it skewed, enjoyed it, it, skewed and, it a little bit up, uh, up, yes. up the scale. And, and so although we still see, I would say, over half our clients are over 60, but we do see clients who are in their 40s and 50s and occasionally in their late 30s because that time period between, I would say, 38 and 43 is a real biological clock for women. And they seem to gravitate to, towards wanting some extra help during that time. And when I needed extra help, I knew who to go to for some good interviewing skills and helping me be more discerning. So I turned to Richard and said, I need some help with all this. Would you like to join me? I said, who, me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, you. <laughs> That's the one. So uh, before we get into you joining, you mentioned, Peggy, that there were a couple signs that made you think that the, the older set kind of needed more assistance. What were those signs? Well, I think right away after the article came out, the number of calls that we got, the inquiries from older adults, it, it was just stunning. These immensely successful, lovely people. And we were traveling to New York at that time all the time to meet them. And clearly, ageism is a tough thing in our world. And I, I don't think I had ever realized how these people were not being thought about or addressed in terms of re-entering the dating world or being introduced to somebody after they either widowed or divorced or in some cases never married. The, the, the dating sites were, and I dare say still are, not very good and not very helpful to them. Um, if you talk to any matchmakers, dating coaches these days and mention the fact that, like us, we work with older adults. The usual response is, oh, my God, no, don't do that. That's the most difficult population. I would never work with anybody who's over 40 or 42 or something like that. It's impossible. And I think... Why? Uh, I'll tell you. Because, and I think what Peggy was saying is so, the people who are in their 50s and their 60s are not attractive to matchmakers. It's very hard for women to be matched at that age, given the demographic these days where the number of women available really outnumber the men. And also because a lot of people think that if uh, somebody's in their in her 60s, I'll say her 60s, 
or even 70s, they really have so much life experience and they're so particular and so difficult to please and nobody really can figure out how to deal with that population. And I saw that as a really making it a very underserved population. And so when the article came out in New York Times, it was clear there are many, 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 many women in particular, men too, who have not given up hope. And this is, to me, very, very inspiring. They have good lives, they have families, they have jobs, but they have that one missing piece, a partner. But they haven't given up hope. They haven't just said, well, that's it. I had my chance. I'm finished. And I think that kind of inspiration and that kind of desire to make something happen to make some sort of a connection in life again and to have a, a real person with whom they could spend, you know, they could spend a quiet evening or go on a trip or whatever kinds of things they, they wanted to do it was a real opportunity. So we began to develop, I would say, a kind of expertise because on the one hand, people in their 60s or 70s or 20s, they all have a need for connection and love and communication. But people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and we've had 90-year-olds have a special dynamic, I'll say, a special dynamic, special set of needs. They do have a lot more life history very often, many more traumas. And so from a psychological point of view, I found it pretty fascinating as a psychologist, but also from a human point of view, I, I saw the need and I saw people respond very openly to a desire on our part to help them find somebody special, find somebody to be with. And and yet at the same time, I, I think a point that has really just almost stunned me over the years is that how very similar men and women, particularly the women in their 30s and 40s are to the women that we meet who are in their 60s and 70s or even 80s in terms of the challenges that they face about re-entering the dating world, what first dates feel like, how to communicate about going on a first date and who's reaching out to whom and who's paying and just all of the questions and where do we go and how do I know if I want to see him again and just everything. How do I it, break it is, up with him and you know, how tell do I him I don't want to see him and where's, where's the ghosting and, you know, what is ghosting? And, you know, you know, when you're telling a, you know, a 70 year old what, it, what ghosting is, you know, you, and, and what rejection is, is all about. And it's the, to me, the, those feelings are across the board, whether I'm talking to a 35 year old or a 75 year old. Curious. What do you tell them ghosting is? What we tell them ghosting is, is that after you've been out on a date with someone, you simply don't hear from him or from her again. Nothing. They just vanish. Just evaporation. Mm -hmm. Do you advocate for this? Do you ever tell people, what do you think of this as a tactic? Well, we, we, only, we only use it with certain clients. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we, don't, we don't call them back. And so. <laughs> there is professional ghosting. Cool. That's true. Yeah, that's yeah. professional ghosting. There's totally professional it's ghosting. Called the, oh it's my called the Hollywood pirouette. <laughs> <laughs> I think when, Peg, when Peggy and I talked on the phone a few weeks ago, we also mentioned zombieing, which is when people come back from the dead after they've been away for a while. <laughs> yeah. So Well, you know, yeah. well, Richard has a really sweet story about that, though. Zombieing is really what happened to that lovely woman who didn't hear from that guy all the time. Oh, yeah. Can, then, I, can I tell you a, a quick vignette? Sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. So uh, it was, I think, two years ago in the fall, a lovely young woman, she was about 45, she was a widow. And she was ready to start meeting people again. So we helped her get online and meet and meet people. And she saw one fellow and she liked liked the way he looked a lot. 
So she sent a, an email out to him and then said to me, I sent him this email, but I never heard back. And I said, well, you never know. I mean, it could be any number of things. Just keep on trying other people. So she met with other people. And over the course of the next few months, she probably went out with uh, 12 or 13 gentlemen that she, she liked, nobody special. And then around Thanksgiving of that year of 2016, she said, well, I think I'm going to write him again. I really liked him. So she sent another email, never heard back, and was really kind of discouraged and ready to give up. And then around Christmas time of that year, she got an email from this fellow. He said, I'm so sorry I never wrote you. I was actually in the middle of a relationship myself. I was ending it. Um, but I still, I would like to meet you. Would you be willing to go out on a date with me? And she said, sure, I guess I would. Um, it's been a while, but I'd be happy to. When were you thinking? He said, well, how about New Year's Day? She said, oh, New Year's Day. Okay, New Year's Day. So she said to me, Richard, uh, we were going to meet at a restaurant. I walked in. I took one look at him, and I knew that he was the one. And he looked at me oh and felt the same way, and they've been together ever since. Right. Now, there's a good zombie story. That's a, yeah, Imagine. That's, that's, a, that, and that's, a, that's, a, that's a real experience. It can happen either way. People don't respond sometimes for reasons that nobody knows. And, of course, everybody speculates about why they didn't hear back when they don't hear back. And you can come mm -hmm. up with 25 reasons. And sometimes it turns out to be accurate. Sometimes it turns out to be way off the mark. But it encouraged me. Mm -hmm. And so I don't tell people to just give up. You know, they keep at it. As I said, I think that's one of the things that has really kept me interested in this business is the persistence that people have mm -hmm. a strong desire, need, drive, commitment to being with somebody. And it Just happens. Have to help, it, help them stay optimistic about it exactly. in spite of exactly. rejections. And But I, I, I think what you said initially, you know, do you advocate for ghosting? I'm sure you predict that we don't at all. And the, the <laughs> scripts for yeah. having to... Uh, for closure for men and for women, it's just you know very very challenging, and literally yeah, a lot of times the guy will say, "I just didn't know what to say." Most of the time, so I say didn't that. say anything. So we basically script kind of the uh, the endpoint. Oh, let's hear it. <laughs> okay. Give us the script. <laughs> okay, um, let's see. Uh, one would be, um, I want you to know that I really had an, I really enjoyed meeting you. You're such an interesting person. I don't think we're the, the right fit. And I want to wish you the best of luck in finding a partner. That's a good one. I love that. That's a good one. You just, I have a similar one. You just have what do you to, use? What you do you to, use? What's yours? I, well, Jen and I created a formula a few years ago. You have to mention something positive and specific. Like, hey, it was so cool that you're so into birding. However, I just wasn't feeling that spark. And I think we'd be better off as friends or something. Or it's not a match. Don't say better off as friends because yeah. you, you don't need more friends. You don't need more, you don't more, more friends. Yeah, yeah. Friend, yeah. friends is, is something kind specific. Of a, kind of a false, we're feeling uh, the yeah, spark. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah. the end part yeah. of the end part of alleys of like, I hope you find your perfect bird and mate for life. That part at the end was a little over the top. To, for my face. Because yeah, it could only be a penguin. That's why. <laughs> They're wearing tuxedos. They're dressed up all the time. They look great. Well, and, and not perfect. And I think that's a, that's a word that we try so hard to uh, help people stay away from. Looking for the right person is about as far away as from looking for the perfect person as you can get. And sometimes after a date, if it hadn't worked out, with the permission, obviously, of our client, we make a call to the date uh, yeah, to often. see if we can get some information about what happened. And, you know, we identify ourselves and say, we'd just like to 
have some feedback for our client. And uh, it's very interesting what guys say. Peggy's going to share with you some of the some of the classic things that guys say when they don't call women back. Interesting. Well, a, a favorite a favorite book, which I definitely re- recommend that you guys read, is "Half Him at Hello" by Rachel Greenwald, and she identifies a lot of wonderful. She has about ten what she calls date breakers. But I think the most common one that that we hear from guys is how accomplished and pretty and funny his date was and somebody that he would hire in a minute, but that he wouldn't want to marry. So many of the women that we meet, even the older women that we meet, really come across as very aggressive and very controlling and very independent. And if everything's working out so well, then what are you doing here? And these guys just feel like, well, she, she'd be a terrific person to hire, but not to marry, that they're looking for some vulnerability and some kindness and some thoughtfulness and some nurturing. And a lot of the words that have now become in our culture harder for younger women to feel comfortable embracing those words. It's a real, there's a real tension in, in our culture now for women particularly about that, I think. I don't know. Are the men being vulnerable? Ah, this this is, makes me upset. <laughs> no, I think you're absolutely right. I think that that men too. You know, they they feel that somehow they've been pigeonholed into, you know, how successful they are and how independent they are and how strong they are, and that they don't want to come across as being in any way too vulnerable or needy. Or I don't know if either of you ever have read or know anything about Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. She's a really, I think, a, a very good author in this area. But I, who was it? Which one of you said that? I think that was Allie who said, oh, that makes me so upset. That was Allie, right? yep. <laughs> yep, it was yeah. me. Yeah. Well, explain that a little bit. Well, because it's like women aren't allowed to just have their shit together. They have to come off as weak and nurturing. It's just like kind of bullshit. Yeah, but- <laughs> I'm not okay with it. Yeah. <clears throat> Allie, weak and nurturing are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, I think that there's that's definitely some like gender stereotyping where the man is like afraid of this successful woman who has her shit together, and so he wants someone less intimidating. Well, he definitely wants nurturing. I think that's right. And I will say that as a psychologist, I work a lot in the uh, in the area of families and divorce and child custody. These days, with uh, both parents working, dads are and can be and very often are as nurturing as moms. Yeah. And that the old notion that the children necessarily have to go with mom, that's what's called the tender years doctrine. You may have heard about that, where little kids automatically go with the mothers because the mothers are the nurturers and the caretakers and so forth and so on. But, you know, dads get up at three o'clock in the morning to feed the baby and they change the diapers and they're there half time when mom goes to work. So the notion of who's nurturing and who isn't, I think, has really cross the gender yeah, barrier. Yeah, I think it's changed, but why don't you think it's changed in dating? I think it has. I think it, I has, think it has, but I, I, I definitely think it has. And I think a woman who's independent and accomplished and confident about herself is a very appealing and important qualities. But along with that, and not just for women, but I think, you know, the cultural bias is there that men need to know that we are thoughtful and kind and that there is some softness in there to be appealing to guys because in our experience it just 
turns guys off in a heartbeat when women are just too aggressive, too, you know, controlling, and they they feel that they have all the answers and everything is all together and they're talking all about the successes that they have in their work life. And they're on a date because they want to meet a guy. There's mutual taking care of in a relationship that's going to take place, whether you're a guy or whether you're the woman. So both of you need to be able to access that, in in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Well, it also depends, in my view, how you present it. If you're a woman and you're on a first date with a guy, and he says, uh, <clears throat> well, so what do you do, Allie? And you say, you have a couple of choices. One is you can say, actually, I'm a litigator at a big uh, New York law firm. That's definitely my answer. Yes, okay. <laughs> I run a hedge fund. I run a hedge fund. Okay. A billion or, dollar hedge fund. or you can say, well, when I'm not at my day job, I like to bake chocolate chip cookies for my nieces and nephews on various holidays. The sure. fact that you're a litigator will come up in the conversation. But I think- Yeah, but didn't he just ask what you do? Yes, that is what you do. So if you say, when I'm not at my day job, here's what I do. I like to bake cookies I like and, to I paint. Like, and I like to paint and I like to be with my family. That's what I do. Yeah. What do I do for money? Uh, that's different. And that comes up mm-hmm. later. And that's one of the things we try to help our clients with is how you present yourself how you talk about yourself, how you share out of yourself, really sets up the expectation of who you are and the understanding of who you are so that you don't automatically throw barriers uh, in the way of getting to know somebody. Well, and saying you're an attorney may not may not throw a barrier. I mean, it may, may be okay, but generally, I mean, we've done a lot of writing in this area that when people are attorneys asking- Attorneys don't do so well. Yeah, well, yeah. And then when people are asking you what you do, you both know they're asking you how much money you make. They're asking you where you live, where you're from, you know, what you do. These are- What qu- school did you go to? What school did you go to? You know, for- these People are still ask both, that. I know, they do. Yes, they do. Even they in do. my 30s, like, it's like, it was so long ago. Why are you asking me where I went to school? Well, it's, it's I think it's, it's the same thing with you. where it's you're from. What is your social class? That's and how right. educated are you? And where are you from? You know, if you say Manhattan and then they say, where in Manhattan? And then, well, where on the east side? And where, you know, every one of those questions is somehow code for finding out what we call their intrusive Mm -hmm. questions, their interview questions, their questions that make guys and women, guys, countless guys that say to us, you know, I feel like I, I was a witness. I was all I was all all night. I was just I was on the witness stand all night, just being hammered at with questions. And that's a hard piece for women. I think we're raised to be curious and to ask questions and get our hands up and want to be called on and ask those questions as many questions as we can. And then it's hard on a date when that becomes intrusive to a guy, I think. That makes sense. I, I can say from my years of dating all these years um, that it can often start to feel like a script and right. it gets very tiring after a while, I think for That's both right. sides. Yeah. So in terms of that, are you are you helping people set up any online dating profiles or is this all, are, are you helping with the online aspect at all? Totally. Okay. I mean, let's face it, in 2019, the internet is a resource you cannot avoid. You cannot be as successful with as as you once were because you you know you very quickly run out of suggestions from your friends or from your colleagues and so forth everybody says gee i wish i knew somebody but i just don't so the, the internet is there and the the internet sites the quote dating sites they're not really dating sites in our view 
They're meeting sites. It's a place to meet people because it's so very hard to meet people in general. If you're working, if you're a working person and you work a long day and you know it's hard to keep going out at night or meeting people and you have a very kind of limited range, but the internet opens the world up to you in a very, sometimes very positive and sometimes somewhat challenging, challenging way. So why do you go online, we tell our clients? Well, that's where the single people are. There's 41 million people online right now. Doesn't mean they're all there in your demographic or in your geographic area, but that's a huge, huge number. So we really insist that people, if they want to have a good shot at meeting somebody, that they use the online. And we do get- practice dating. Yeah, or practice dating. We do get, I'll say, a lot of casualties from online. Somebody will come in and say, oh, I tried match.com. It didn't work. You know, I just met a bunch of weirdos and they took my money and they sent me some matches. Didn't mean anything. So I quit it. Uh, I went to another one, et cetera, et cetera. And we've all heard those stories. And the truth is, what I've found anyway, is that if you try the online experience for dating without some kind of a guide or some kind of a direction, then it's very easy to get hurt or lost or confused. It's like, you know, being out at sea without a compass. Learning how to date and be a good dater. You know, you wouldn't learn how to play tennis. You wouldn't go to the gym without a trainer. You don't learn how to sing without a coach. It, it does feel in this co- in our world today, unlike maybe when we were much younger, that there are more skills and strategies that people just need to have to feel confident and to be to be successful. And they're learnable. Which sites do you think are best for older adults? Match. I think they make the best effort. I think they're the best site, period. But I think for older adults, definitely. Now, they have separate sites that are owned by Match that are Our Time and there's a Senior Singles Meet. Singer, senior like Singles Meet. Uh, I just can't tell you how many times, though, people will tell us that they're so hard for them to navigate. They're very unwelcoming. They're not friendly. They're not upbeat at all. There's such an opening there for some very bright mind to come in and create a terrific uh, dating site for older adults because, as Match will say, it's their largest and fastest growing demographic. It's huge, huge, because the number of divorces, you know, it just, it's a huge population in our country. You've said a few times in this interview that dating sites are really not welcoming or helpful for older adults. What are the problems that you think exist with dating sites in terms of its usefulness for older adults? Well, they have to be simple. They have to be pretty easy to navigate. That's number one. And some of them, they're just not, they're not simple. They're not intuitive. It's as if you're going in the exact opposite direction for the next piece that you would want to be going. And then, you know, certainly some of the sites that are even match that are doing the matching for you. You know, some people think, oh, that's terrific. They're sending me 10 matches a day and, you know, they're most people will say, well, they're terrible matches. I don't know how they come up with mm. it. I mean, if if you have two eyes and a nose and they find somebody with two eyes and a nose, they say you have a perfect correspondence and this is your match for today. And right. if somebody goes to that site without some understanding or somebody to kind of coach them and guide them. I will say on matches behalf, I can't speak for other sites that they do an amazing job in trying to 
eliminate as many disreputable, dishonest, cheating, lying. They have a huge reporting team there when I was there at their headquarters where they do nothing but all all day long, except try to weed out the people that are online that shouldn't shouldn't be online or online. I want to be on that team for one day. I know, I wouldn't, know. wouldn't you? Because no, it's, no, you would be traumatized. Just want to see all the shit that comes through one day. Oh my god, it's so much material. I know because look, you're seeing it after they've done it, and look at the number of scammers and liars and cheaters yeah. there are. So they're out there. They're, they're so out there. They are out there. One thing, for example, they publish a list of. Uh, safety tips for clients. And Huge. one of the things that is, is quite interesting is a, a Google reverse image search. I don't know if you've tried that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You put the dude's image into Google and then you can find more information about him. Yeah, you see whether or not he was a used car salesman in Wichita or whether he's really a neuroscientist from Harvard. Or whether or not he's married. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah. And one of the things I've found from a psychological point of view that is quite interesting to me is that uh, as you can imagine, many of our clients have not dated in many, many, many years. If somebody has gotten divorced after 30 years of marriage or lost a, a spouse after uh, 30 or 35 years, they, they really don't have a clue about dating. And their tendency is really to kind of, I don't know, curl up and not really want to venture out into the world. And they're very nervous about it, very shy about it, and so forth. Once somebody goes online, I've found, and basically announced to, to the world, I'm here, I'm ready, I'm available, I'd like to meet somebody. That experience from a psychological point of view also helps change their attitude toward their daily life, whether they're at Whole Foods Market or they're in line at Starbucks. There are a lot of hotties at Whole Foods. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. Sometimes I like to go to aisle four, <laughs> just hang out by the quinoa. There's some hot dudes there. Don't, don't kid yourself. One of our clients <laughs> had never dated, never been uh. in a date. She started a conversation with a fellow at Whole Foods over the Clementines, and it was like, <laughs> "Oh, so I'm in the wrong aisle." Okay, I got to be by the fruit. You're in the wrong aisle. Yeah, you got to go to the Clementines. Citrus. I didn't think the fruit were for me, but all right. I think what does what has changed a lot Just though the fresh today fruit. You want the is, fresh fruit. is that unfortunately, you know, where we used to advocate and and be really, I think, so enthusiastic about talking to people about meeting in the train stations and meeting on in the airports and in elevators and using opportunities where you are with other people to learn how to say a simple word, hello, and, and greet people, say hello wherever you are. But it's become, I think, it's such a challenge now that I almost don't feel comfortable saying it anymore. Everybody is on their phone everywhere. So it's become harder with that in mind, Peggy and Richard, would you mind sharing the story of how you met? Of course not. Go ahead, Peggy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will tell oh, you. I also, uh, sure. I also think it should be nationally mandated that everyone who's single and looking to mingle has to wear a wristband. That would make everything so much easier. Go on. <laughs> I, <think so> <laughs> I would. <laughs> what color? What color? <laughs> Uh, it's got to be the same color. Red for passion. Yeah, okay. Red for passion. I love well, that. Well, no, no, no. Color coded based on orientation. What you're looking now for. You're you know. Oh, there you go. Okay. There All you right. go. Oh my God, that's uh, so scary. Shit. Shit. You've just invented the analog version of dating app because the analog version. dating apps eliminate the need to say hello. No, seriously, like when you're on a, everyone theoretically who's on a dating app is saying hello, raising their hand. I am single. Here's my face. No need to say hello in the supermarket. We're all here for the same thing. You've just identified the real life version yeah, of brilliant. that and it's fucking 
genius and get to the trademark and just nationally office. nationally mandate it. No, I did a show like two weeks ago and I made the audience simple. wear yeah. color-coded wristbands. Beautiful. Beautiful. Did anybody meet up? Um, I know they were taking it pretty seriously. In a different show I did a few week, like a few months ago, I made the people that were in relationships stand up, make <gasps> eye contact with a single person, and pledge to wing person them at the bar after. Because I hate that the onus is always on oh, the single nice. people. <laughs> you know, because it's always on the single people to keep putting themselves out there and putting themselves out. It's exhausting. And then meanwhile, the taken people, there's no pressure. They don't care. So they actually took it really seriously, which I loved. They were by the bar just like, making all this like setting up the single people making them talk to each other running over to me and telling me like oh i got these two people talking i was kind of are you, awesome. are you looking for another job you know we might hire you as a consultant <laughs> there. It, it's funny because when, i know yeah, sure i'm ready if you put a whole bunch of singles in a room it's not always easy to get them to feel comfortable to want to meet and talk to someone else and you know all they use is criteria is whether or not you know oh he looks interesting i think i'll go over yeah, that's why people in relationships should be legally obligated to set up single right. people. Well, absolutely. Jen wanted to know how we met. There's no stakes for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's go back. All Sorry, right. I interrupted as yeah, we know okay. that we I do. Okay. So yeah. let's go have a um, circle back. Well, it's true that we did meet on an airplane at a time when there were no phones and no computers. And uh we each have our own version of the story, as as is in the case of when remember when Harry met Sally, and at the end of the at the end of the movie. Have you all seen that, or is that too? If yes, you no, haven't I, seen it, I, we've oh, seen no, it. No, I've seen it. I've seen okay, it. Good. And at the end of the, he's really a dick through most of that movie. <laughs> but but she's so great. And at the end of the movie, they have the outtakes with the couples yeah. who how they met. So of course everybody has their yeah. own little version, but. So I was extremely young. I was getting on a plane and coming back to Boston, and I was saving a seat for a friend who was also coming back to Boston. And in those days, we had signs that you put on the seats, and they were one side was English and one side was Spanish, it was occupied and occupado. <laughs> and I had a sign on the seat because she was a standby. And up comes this fellow, and he was looked like a nice fellow. I had a boyfriend at the time, so I wasn't all that interested. But he, he said, is this seat taken? Which I thought was a very odd thing to ask me since there was a sign on the seat. <laughs> and I, I said, well, and uh, I was indecisive as I often and probably still am. Uh, I said, well, sort of. And I started to explain about my friend being a standby. And Richard was completely disinterested in my explanation. And, and picked, also the sign. And also the sign. <laughs> picked up the sign and put the sign up above the seat and sat down. And that was the beginning. And then there was some, I think what we would call today, some important flirting that went on <laughs> uh, on both of our parts. And I think that's a bit of a skill too. I think when people talk about today, you know, you should try to be respectfully touching each other in some nice way, touching your arm or at the end of a date. So we, we had a, a little bit of that without identifying or, to, or knowing what it was. And I think trying to impress each other, whatever that means in the world that we live in, whatever it meant then for a very young person, for me, it meant that he had ordered what I would have then called a sophisticated drink, which is a Manhattan. <laughs> and I was totally a non-drinker. I mean, it I was 19. I wanted to impress him and to think that I would be a, you know, somebody who was as mature as he is. And so I ordered a martini. But in those <laughs> days, they came with everything you had to put together. So it had the little glass and it had the this and it had that and you'd mix it all together. I had absolutely no idea. So I asked him if he'd be so kind as to fix my drink. You know, some of those 
little flirting tips are good tips. I didn't have any idea that that's what I was doing at the time. And then I introduced him to my father was the as the wrong name. He's a psychologist, so that had deep meaning for him. That bothered He'd me been a training, lot. Training at Harvard, <laughs> and I introduced him as I couldn't remember his name. I thought it was David. And uh, was this at the airport? This is right the, airport the airport when we landed. I said, "Hi, oh, Daddy. This is okay. David. Hi, Daddy. So I met. Hi, Daddy. Ah. This is this gentleman fellow that I met. His name's David Wallman. And Richard looks up. He says, "The name is my name is Richard." He said, "With this, like I thought, okay, well, nice to see you, goodbye." And then that's how we met. Um, and that's accurate. Um, I'll just give you a very quick backstory. Uh, we met on a flight from Pittsburgh to Boston, and I had been in school in Columbus, Ohio, at Ohio State University, and just finished some exams, and I was coming back. And I had to change planes in Pittsburgh. So I sat next to a fellow from Columbus to Pittsburgh who was a 75-year-old guy who worked for the um, United States Agricultural Service. He was talking to me about cows and <laughs> sheep and stuff like that. And I said, oh, my God. So the plane Anything landed. Anything looked good and, after that. And I had to change planes. I said, I am not Don't undersell yourself, to, Peggy. <laughs> I'm not going to sit next to somebody like that again. I saw this really, really attractive dark hair, dark eyed woman, uh, get on the plane. I said, that's the one. Hardly. So I didn't care what she put on the seat. I wasn't going to pay attention to it. I just sat down and, uh, and the rest of it is pretty much what she said. So it was, it was Peggy's beauty that inspired you to take that sign off the seat. (laughs) And her smile. And her smile. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love the ballsiness of just removing the sign. I know. I like that too. too. I love the lot. So how long have you been together? A while. Oh my gosh, fifty almost fifty four years. Wow, oh God. that's <laughs> wow. really incredible to yeah. think about that. Although you know now everybody's getting married older, so that thirty five to forty five year old uh, for women in particular is you know they 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 need people, they need some expert guidance, they need a someone in their corner, they need a coach, they they need to feel that they're not gonna sign off on this, that it's quote, never gonna happen. Because, yeah, that's the other thing that because happens. We believe it's always gonna happen. And that's another thing that happens, especially to older adults, is when you start this dating business, it's very lonely. There's nobody really to talk to. I mean you can't talk to your kids about it, obviously, or your family. And talking to friends, you get kind of mixed reviews, but that gets old pretty quick. And not to be able to talk to somebody and ask questions like, should I go up to his apartment after the first date? Who pays for dinner? Um, I didn't like this fact that he wasn't quite divorced yet. What should I say? What should I do? Yeah. Um, and our clients call us whenever they have questions like that, if they need to talk. And I think just having that person there, an objective set of eyes and ears on what's going on is very comforting, I would say to anybody, but certainly to this, to this population. So for our listeners um, who are still looking for love and a lasting relationship, I'm curious and if you me? could tell us, <laughs> and Allie, <laughs> and I mean, all of us in some way, um, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about your philosophy on all of this. So you mentioned not losing hope. You mentioned, uh, you know, looking for somebody who's right versus looking for somebody who's perfect. Uh, we also talked about being vulnerable and not necessarily just rattling off your CV. Are there any other sort of like big philosophical things that you think are important when you're kind of in the mindset of looking for love? We talked a little bit about thinking about what you need instead of what you want. Forget your lists. That's a phrase we use a lot, forget your lists. And I I think also just one thing sort of philosophically that feels to me, it's 
may sound a little banal, but it's really to be optimistic, to be proactive, to to see yourself as a as a player, that it never is going to happen from the sidelines. You have to be in the game. You're going to win some and you're going to lose some, but you have to be you have to be a player. You really kind of have to tap yourself on the shoulder every single day and get yourself up to be your absolute best self no matter how you feel about what may or may not happen. Well, I wanted to go a totally different direction and ask, do you have any clients using the apps? So Tinder, Bumble, Hinge, Yes. Coffee Meets Bagel, I could list forever. Mm-hmm. Yes. Some more successfully than others. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm in favor of whatever works for you or whatever you like. You know, I, I don't like to prohibit anything. Obviously, for the older adults, those are harder. But certainly the younger people, we have the younger guys. I mean, they're, they're on that all the time. Uh, I think, was it Jen that you said before that on a lot of these apps, whether, and actually whether it's the, uh, the mobile apps or even the online sites, when they ask about you, it is like a CV or sort of a yes. questionnaire sort of thing. And that's not really mm-hmm. a good way to get to know anybody any, anyhow. But, and so I think that turns some of, the, some of the young people off. It's sort of fast and quick. And I haven't heard a lot of success with it. One, one of my students at Harvard said, oh, I, I love Tinder because when I went to Europe, I was by myself and I didn't know anybody. And so she used it to meet friends and new people in, in Europe and get her way around Europe, not necessarily romantic uh, connections. So I think it has social utility or can have, but I haven't talked to a lot of people who have had terrific success with it. So maybe you know more more about it than I do. Have you guys, have you guys known a lot of people who've had a lot of success with the, with those apps? Well, that's how Jen met her boyfriend. Really? That's so great. Yeah. Which one? Yeah, that's true. Uh, Tinder. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not um, just for banging. Not just for banging your way through Europe. No, that's good. (laughs) That being said, I do feel like it's rare to, it felt rare to meet somebody who also sort of was looking for a relationship on Mm -hmm. on that app. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, There were a lot of people who maybe thought they were, but that became clear that they weren't. So (laughs) Um, some of them can't even spell relationship. Yeah. Spelling (laughs) is a big problem. Isn't that true? (laughs) Well, I have one more question. Um, do you guys work with the LGBTQ community at all? The answer is is no. We were so afraid to to just be all things to all people, and then just that you haven't created something that you can do really well. So when mixology, mixology, and they were a really a terrific company, a young guy, just oh, I just they were I was crazy about them. So we would refer any of any clients, gay clients, any clients who came to us, to them, because we felt we had a great place for them to go where they were going to be able to focus on a population of people better than we could. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, and then they were bought and they were bought by Agape Match. So they're kind of trying to be what I call all things to all people. But in terms of older adults, uh, we haven't really had very many inquiries from that age group in that demographic, in that population. That's more younger people. Yeah, I think it's. I think it makes sense. You know, you don't want to be everything for everyone, but if you have some resources, that's great. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Peggy and Richard. It was lovely to have you with us and um, for sharing all of your knowledge in this area. 
Well, thanks for listening. I think it's great that you guys have each other, but you actually want to help other people. Yes. I think all the people in relationships should listen up and go set up and their friends. I think that's for, important. I love that you feel that way, and I think that you should set that up more. First with the wristbands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm working on it. Yeah. And thanks, thanks for listening so carefully. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Well, they were absolutely lovely. Um, Thank you, Peggy and Richard. One thing that did stick with me, as I know probably stuck with you guys, but um, I'll be interested to hear what you think, is about the conversation around a woman being quote-unquote vulnerable. And I know people could take that in different ways and it could skew to saying, oh, you have to be weak. And I think Peggy did a beautiful job at framing it as, you know, taking an interest in somebody else, having empathy. Obviously, we've talked about gender bias on the show a lot. (laughs) So, um, you know, you probably would guess that women sort of face what, you know, we talk about the double bind, that you need to be all of these things to people at one time, and that's really not fair. So I think the point that I just wanted to bring in is, and and I think Peggy and Richard said this too, that it should be the same expectation for men and what they're bringing to the table that, you know, they can't just recite their CVs. They also have to be open. And they also, if a woman comes and, you know, shares something about herself, they have to ask questions and, and you know, not just um, kind of plow through the date. So yeah, obviously it goes both ways. Just wanted to mention that. I think y'all know that. And I know Peggy and Richard agree with that. I just, I think, <laughs> but just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, I think it, yeah, I think the problem is everyone says, oh, it goes both ways. It goes both ways. But the negative examples are always about women. Mm-hmm. Not that's just true. this interview, mm-hmm. just in general. You yeah, know what I mean? that's true. Because I've been on dates with dudes who just like fucking brag about their money. And I'm like, actually, I'm not impressed. <laughs> You're a douchebag. You know what I mean? But it's right. like, yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like one thing to say it goes both ways, but like, how does that actually look? And like, yeah, would that if it even goes both ways, then like 50% of the examples should be about shit men mm-hmm. are doing wrong. And 50% could be about the shit women are doing wrong, maybe. I mean, it's true. It does feel like women are told more than men. Like, yeah, like what they have to do to like win over somebody, which I mean, I'm not saying Peggy Richards said that, but I just like generally in like the discourse you hear about this, that feels annoying as a woman. Oh, yeah. It's always like <laughs> yeah. what women need to do to get a man, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, the, but, like the book Have Him at Hello or whatever that, you know. Yeah. But everybody obviously should be should be doing that. Yeah. 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 Everybody should. There yeah. are tons of things. Men don't ask questions. Like, yeah. There's this dude who like we we have mutual friends. He asked me out. We went on a date. He's super cute. So I was kind of excited. This is like a year ago. He asked me literally nothing about myself. And then the next day he texted me. Yeah, he texted me. It was so great to get to know you. And I wanted to be like, name three things. The irony is I didn't quite realize how many friends we have in common. And now I see him all the time. And so I think he might not be a bad guy, but I want to be like, yo, do you realize that I ghosted you because you asked me nothing, nothing. But this has happened so many times where like dudes don't ask questions. I'm like, what are you? That experience that you had was so extreme that it made me start reflecting at that time on like that happening to me as well. And, you know, I naturally do want to ask people a lot of questions when I met them, but I I made a point to ask less and see what would happen. (laughs) And it helped. I mean, people would start to fill in the blanks and if they didn't, then... I didn't see them. No, again. a lot of times they don't. Yeah, yeah. And as yeah, Matt kind of jokes yeah. that I have like this secret crazy life, I just started like throwing out random shit that I'd done just to see if there'd be a reaction. <laughs> and he would go right back to talking about himself. And I was like, all right. The more I hear you guys talk about men and dating and everything, like I just, I'm worried that I'm not a dude. And I'm not saying that to be like, <laughs> I'm so great. I'm like, if a, I haven't dated, but like, oh, just take any person. If a person's like, I'm a corporate litigator, I'd be like, yo, that is the coolest shit I've ever heard. I'm going to like yeah, corner yeah. you at a party it's, it's and a talk to job. you. It's a badass I don't care who you, like, so this, it's, it boggles my mind that like so many people slash dudes are just like 
I don't know. They just have no questions and no interest. You you guys are professional actors and performers and you have a podcast and you like have workshops. So like, tell me more. Like, how could you not be interested? Well, here's where I'm being unfair, right? Those are the stories. I go on plenty of dates where the guys are super nice and they ask okay. me a ton of questions, well, that's, but it's not, a, you know what I mean? Go. But it doesn't work out for so, some well, other reason. So to be fair, like there are sure. plenty, I've, I've, I've met with and gone out with plenty of great guys. I've actually like some dudes that I've been on online dates with. We've like transitioned into friendship and now we're just friends. So like there's plenty of great guys out there, but there also I think are too many guys who don't ask questions. <laughs> like that shouldn't be a thing, you know? I love, I love, every time we talk about this, I love how you frame, you frame it. Thank you. So good. I don't know. Like, cause, cause you, you are fair. You are fair in the conversation of it. It is too many, but it's not everyone. And that's yeah, I mean, rarely most, said. Most guys I've been out with are, you know, nice, interesting people, and and but it just doesn't work for some reason or another. They're not interested in me, or they want someone quiet. I don't know, <laughs> like, or I'm not interested in them, or you know, a lot of dudes are like kind of weird, or, <laughs> or there's like no chemistry, like you know. Mm-hmm. So there's tons of reasons, but. Anywho, no, I thought our guests were great, but I'm glad, Jen, that you brought that up because I obviously said something during the interview and then was like, all right, I'm going to not be an asshole to these very lovely people and I'm going to leave it there. (laughs) And again, because hopefully they're listening, this this doesn't really have to do with Peggy and Richard. I think in general, the discourse is always like what women are doing wrong. Um, Actually, Jen and I used to perform a blog post by a dating coach uh, where his, <laughs> My favorite his of all coaching time. is a list of all the things that women are doing wrong and telling them to be more <laughs> passive. Yeah. It's never like, oh, to maybe disappear. dudes should take responsibility for their actions uh, and not be assholes and disappear. Um, you know, just have an adult conversation. He goes on and on and on and on and on about all the things women are doing wrong to make men disappear. But it's also kind of hilarious. And Jen and I performed it on stage for many years. Although then I met him and that was a strange uh, and surreal <laughs> experience for me. Then you met him. <laughs> We need to Whoa. end that there. Not only that, but was on trip. I can no longer yeah. talk about this. By <laughs> <Yeah>. accident. <laughs> so many stories. So many stories. Ah. Well, speaking of disappearing and ghosting, uh, uh, I enjoyed the story of like, hey, life just got crazy and I ghosted and then, oops, we got back together and now happily ever after. Like, do you think any of your ghosts will uh, will come haunt back me? to haunt you? And Yeah. Actually, you know what? The dudes who have ghosted me, some I've ran into a few of them, you know, six months, a year later, and they're they always reveal themselves to be a hot fucking mess. And so I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> right. That's fine. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you can't even muster the courtesy to be like, hey, sorry, it didn't work. Like if you can't even do that, your life's a fucking mess. That's well, it's I not agree. even that. Like I yeah. I actually think ghosting is okay if you go out on one date and like nothing happens and you both are like probably mutually not into each other. What drove me nuts where the dudes were like, we'd be making out on the street and they'd be like, I can't wait to see you again. I think you're so great. And then I would never hear from them again. It's like, yeah. <laughs> you didn't, we not, you didn't need to say any of that. Like that, and that has happened a lot of times. But those dudes, when I run into them just in like a series of random other circumstances and ways like they I don't know Jen if you remember like this one guy he showed up at our co-working space and like sat down next to me immediately and he was like hey do you remember me and I was like oh my god what uh-huh. we'd gone out like a year <laughs> prior and he was oh, like we had my a great god date, I do and I said yeah and then you disappeared he's like did I and I'm like <laughs> yeah and he goes oh I was going through a kind of tough time and I was like and he was like kind of he was looking like sweaty and weird at this point and I was like man I Dodged a bullet, didn't I? You know what I mean? So, ladies, if he ghosted you, it might be that he's a fucking hot mess. But that happened more than once. It's for the best. Ghosty and sweaty, no good. Red flags. 
So Ali, are you going to sell that, um, like that, that wristband idea to somebody? Like when's that happening? I don't, I don't think I can like trademark wristbands. Um, <laughs> wristbands, TM. <laughs> yeah, girl. <laughs> single bands. I guess, single, if, single I, you know bands. what? If you made them, actually, yeah. If you made them cool and trendy, yeah. then you could like trademark that product and all single people have to buy but them. Do we, do we think it would actually help to identify yourself as single and seeking in real life? Like would other people even notice? Percent. Okay. A thousand percent. Yes, yes, yes. Well, wait, wait, wait. So, okay. I was ready to invest in this company. I was going to put my entire savings account into this company because I thought it was the greatest idea ever. But then... <laughs> Matt, you have two well, children. <laughs> I don't care. I'm doing Reminder. it. Reminder. Don't do that. Uh, okay. But now I have a. I'm gonna poke a hole in it and tell me how you're gonna solve it. You ready? This is Shark Tank. Okay. All okay. right. Uh, you better put some sound cues in here. Later. <laughs> yeah, this better be Shark Tanked up. <laughs> shark it up. Okay. Uh, okay. No, it solves everything about IRL interaction of who is single, who is not. It creates this dating environment, like this dating overlay that digital apps do on our normal lives and cuts out the nonsense around who is available and who is not. However, what about this notion of, okay, I'm wearing the- Thrupples. <laughs> Thrupples are disrupting your whole business. Uh, you're, wearing this, you're wearing the green band, and that shows you're single, right? Which means I'm open in Whole Foods to people coming up to me, but what about people that you don't want to date like an undesirable person who's like hey yeah but yeah yeah, yeah. but that that happens anyway all the time Got it. so it's just like it's a gamble so but yeah. wouldn't it increase like um, if i saw that green from from across the aisle the guys are going to be running towards you in in ways that i think are unprecedented i, I thank you thank you so <laughs> much just stampeding us <laughs> she's hot I'm and she has it. the green let's do thank this you so much thank you so much and she's by the clementines so that's where it happens i've got a green on clementines go 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 yeah no i was at a bar last week where i was pretty annoyed like the men were all significantly older than the women there and just being very skeezy like one guy literally said to my friend can i hug you not in a creepy way and i was like if you have to say that you're fucking creepy yeah, I mean, this happens all the time, so just, you know, it might amplify it, but you'd also theoretically get good dudes, too, because also I think, like, a lot of nice kind of shy guys, they're like, well, what if I say something and she hates me or she has a boyfriend? Right, right, right. That's why I was so excited about the idea. I just want to share with you guys what I have found to be the most effective wingman move, but I think you might need to know both people for mm -hmm. it to work, that you're trying to wing wing person okay. on both people used to do this for me i remember like in college and i always appreciated it so much a friend would come up to me and they'd be like hey you see that guy mad over there he seems like he's into you and then they would do the same thing to that Whoa. guy you see that girl jen over there seems like that's she's genius. into you just like a subtle little bug that's get gets put in your ear and then you know obviously we'd start talking stealth so setup I, yeah on both <laughs> no, that's so good I was at a party two weeks ago yeah. <laughs> and my friend Amanda tapped this dude on the shoulder and then just pointed to our other friend and it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Things are a little less like, subtle well, these days. Yeah. Point. That's a strong move. We gotta we gotta adopt that nationwide, the tapping point. <laughs> he was just like, Oh, okay, like it literally <laughs> it was great. Just walked over okay. like Anyway, if you would wear a single band, tweet me at Ali Gold, A-L-L-I-G-O-L-D. Or me at Junebugger and like, let us know what you want it to look like. We're going to start prototyping that shit. So yeah, it's probably going to look like a band. Um, <laughs> it's just a band. <laughs> Hashtag single on it. 
Yeah. Maybe a Fitbit. Let's talk to Fitbit. It looks like a Fitbit. It tracks all your shit, but also tells you if you're oh. single. Okay. <laughs> In case you don't know. Tracks your shit like your stats are on there. Like you can just pull it up and show somebody. No, like it'll function. Like what kind like of a, shit would it track? Well, that's a shit bit and that uh, tracks your shits and that's different. <laughs> but this would be specifically like it tracks your sleep and your um your exercise, but then also signals to people if you're single. Whoa, 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 whoa. But so hold combine on, hold functions. On. We got a right fit bit. You ready for what? next level? No, I'm not ready. It's not just a hold on, let me sit back no, down. Get, get this. Sit back sit back I down. I was already seated because <clears> my a drink microphone of water. is here. Okay. Let's go super high tech. It's not just a visual cue like, oh, my Fitbit is orange, so I'm single. You set your your normal Fitbit to single mode and then you walk into Whole Foods and it's pinging other people with single mode on and telling you geographically where they are so you can like walk to the Clementine Isle together and meet. You heard it here, guys. Whole Foods, it's where it's fucking at, which is too <laughs> bad because we all know I love Trader Joe's. Yeah. Trader Joe's, the people are not as good looking. Is that weird? But like Whole Foods, they're so good looking. <laughs> wow, savage. They're mostly dads though. My roommate was going to start an Instagram, like hot dads of Whole Foods. Um, I also think a healthy sense of competition is good if you need a little confidence okay. to like, be talking to people at a place like that. So maybe it, it puts you in competition Got with it. the other people at the store. Who yeah, a healthy dose thing. of competition. You hear that, Trader Joe's? Maybe we don't need you to sponsor us because we're going to get Whole Foods. <laughs> begging Trader Joe's for way too long. They haven't responded to us. Let's start a Whole Foods. Hey, does Whole Foods have a Twitter? Let's start a hashtag Whole Foods 2G1P. Let's yeah, Whole Foods us. definitely must have a Twitter. Better yet, does Whole Foods have a podcast? Oh, yeah. I wanted to just leave our listeners with a few more words of wisdom, if okay. I may say so myself. <laughs> this is a theory that Jen and I have. Get, get it in okay, there, girl. Okay, so, you know, online dating and all that, and our guests mentioned that it's the demise of spelling and grammar. It's horrible. I would like us all to make a pact right here, right now. We will not fuck people who cannot spell because if we don't fuck them, they will learn to spell. Also, they will not re- uh, reproduce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two birds, one stone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, kids. I got to go. <laughs> All right. So you already know our Twitters, but we'll just remind you once more. I'm at June Bugger. I'm at Allie Gold. And you can email us at 2G1podcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about all of this. And you can call us and leave us a voicemail. Maybe we'll play it on the show. That number is 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6548. And finally, if you want to join us in real time, having conversations, suggesting topics for the show, suggesting questions for our interview guests, hop into our Discord server. That's discord.gg slash 2G1P. And what about if they want to contribute to this podcast, Al? You can go to patreon.com slash 2G1P and please, please do check it out. There's various tiers that you can contribute at. Terrible sentence. And anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, so the one of the lower levels, you can get a shout out on air. So please check out patreon.com slash 2G1P. That's right. All right, single people, wing people, we'll see you next time. Take care. <laughs> is hosted by Jennifer Jamula and Allison Goldberg and admitted to an assisted living facility. I mean, produced by Matt Silverman in New York City. This episode was edited by Danny Matias. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe. La la la, ladies only.